This Halloween episode of the Gentleman's Golf Law Podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Shaving and Audible.com. You are listening to the Gentleman's Golf Law Podcast. Listener beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open. I ain't got time for moping. I best be on my way. Well, I still got time to save my reputation. Time to go day drinking. Happy Halloween, everyone. Welcome to the Gentleman's Golf Law Podcast, the podcast for the rebel and the renaissance man. Um, I am your host, Jordan Crowder, and with me in person, as usual, is the Don, Donovan Fowler, and all the way up in the Great White North, which is Canada, in case you didn't know, is our good friend Johnny Boy. We're haunted with snow. (laughs) How you guys doing? (laughs) Not yet. No snow yet. Good. Um, No snow yet? No snow yet? I'm surprised. It always comes like right around Halloween up there, and then it sucks for Um, trick-or-treating. No, no, no. no? We're supposed to have uh, 18 degrees in the next couple of days. Oh, no. That's that's, uh, that's Celsius, though, right? That's Celsius, so that's comfortable Fahrenheit. (laughs) Nobody um, cares. Let's before we get into this episode, let's start off a little bit of housekeeping. I uh what do you got there, Donovan? I got a uh a Voodoo Ranger IPA. Oh which nice. Is, uh let's see. Who's the, the maker of this? New Belgium. Oh nice. Yeah, I've had it before, it's pretty good. What do you got there, John? I've got a St. Ambroise. Uh, apricot wheat ale. Oh, nice. nice. Fancy yeah. on us. And here I have got uh, the KBC pumpkin ale, which is kind of like a, it's be, kind of become a tradition the last few years. I get it every year. So here you we go. You know what I did with this bottle of beer? I um, I took it out of the fridge uh, on the way, he, well, before I came here. And of course, it's like an hour long car ride. So I just stuck it in my Yeti. I literally just used my, you know, like oh, those, it all fit in one. It, the bottle fit into the Yeti perfectly, and it kept it uh pretty well chilled. So That's it's uh, cool. not only a good advertisement for Voodoo Ranger, which is very tasty, but also Yeti. I should be using my Yeti cooler right now, but I'm too lazy to go to the kitchen and get it. And I am um koozie. I meant to say koozie. Um, I am smoking my. Now this is going with my costume here. I'm smoking my Missouri Meerschaum uh, General MacArthur pipe. Yeah, you look like you're uh, overcompensating for that uh, <laughs> north that, that, that loss to North Korea. Well, little <laughs> uh, people uh, history he actually had there. this pipe. Uh, this is a replica, obviously not his pipe. Uh, custom made. It was kind of yeah. his signature. He wanted to have a signature thing. And it's the size. It's a full cob. I would almost say that most people. I think if you asked, I mean, uh, probably not millennials, but like most people up until a point were associating the the uh, Missouri Meerschaum with, with, uh, or the corn cob with Douglas MacArthur. Douglas MacArthur. Either that or Frosty. All right. And I am smoking, (laughs) I am smoking. Hey, wrong season. I am smoking uh, Sleepy Hollow. Uh, which is a uh, custom blend from a little pipe shop. And I forget the name of the shop, but it's good stuff. I'm going to do that right now. Get that lit up. Oh man. Oh, you can hear it. There we go. Um, so I am General General MacArthur. Burning leaves. I know. That's like really nice. Good stuff, isn't it? It Takes me back Um, those days. 
Uh-huh. When I used to burn leaves, so, you know? yeah, a little pyro, <laughs> little pyro Donovan, Donovan just running around. What, what do you got there? Uh, 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 what are you dressed up as there, John? I'm trying to figure you out. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm plain face McGee. Plain face McGee, all right. Yeah. It suits you. Uh, so he's wearing like a white, almost Phantom of the Opera mask, and you got your pipe sticking out of it. That's cute. What do you got on there, Donovan? What are you supposed uh, to be? I got a, I got a, I'll, I'll give you a hint. Uh-oh. This is an S&M thing? Oh, it had to be snakes. Oh. Why did it have to be snakes? There you go. Han uh, Solo. And- <laughs> Get off my plane. Blade Runner. Uh, um, uh, Get out uh, of my wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, what lies beneath? Well, that's a good, that's a good costume. That hat is very Not authentic. Bad. And later on on the show, we got uh, Vince Michelli. Michelli. I never know how to pronounce his name, and I've known him for three years. Um, Maybe some biscotti. He is a filmmaker and creator. That He's the director of Fear, Inc., which is a really fun uh, horror comedy, and uh, among many other things. We'll talk to him about that in a little bit. Um, but, John, since it's Halloween... Let's 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 go into some creepy stories, okay? Let's let's let's. I feel like this is a time to do that. If we're going to do it any episode, it would be this episode. Um, have you ever had anything happen in your life that was unexplained or just freaked you out? One time, one time. Really? So my grandmother left her home and was in one of those old folks' places, like assisted you know, living, like you see on Twenty Twenty, and. Uh, <laughs> When when her house was empty, we'd go and check up on it, right? Yeah. And we went in one time, and my mom and my sister were going up the stairs, and they heard somebody around the corner on the upper level. So they come running down the stairs, freaked out because they're positive they heard someone. They rush out the door. I follow them, not knowing what's going on. I'm thinking there might have been a spider, which in my mind is you know, what's worse than that. Raccoons. Yeah. No, spiders are worse. <laughs> Carnies. Carnies. Because they, they fit into Very small spaces. Small That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, so when we're outside, <laughs> I look up at the second floor window, and the curtain falls back into place as if someone had just let go of one of the panels. What? Are you kidding yeah. me? So in yeah, other words, yeah. wait, wait, wait. So could this have possibly been somebody sneaking out the window? Like, could no, it have the been a real person? Closed. Yeah. Um, and it it was, I can't explain it any better than that, than if someone had been looking out the window and pulled it, you know, pulled one panel aside to peek out and it was just it falling back into place. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, it didn't look like wind, but looked like somebody lifted the curtain to look out. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it couldn't have been wind because all the windows and doors were closed and because of the layout of the house, um, there's no gust that could have moved it. There was no vent under the window. Uh, I tried to think of every plausible explanation. And the most logical conclusion is ghosts. Wow. That's freaky. And that's you, did weird. you go back in the house and see if there was anybody there? Or? Yeah, I went around with my dad. We started, you know, banging pots and stuff and nothing there. Gosh, that's freaky. Hey, that's the answer to everything, isn't it? Just bang up bang a pot. <laughs> like it's New Year's <laughs> in uh, the 1920s. Um, that is freaky. I had a, a freaky story. Um, last year, I was in Big Bear, and uh, Lacey and I were driving home. Uh, not driving home. We were driving to our cabin um, after going out to dinner in that little downtown uh, area in Big Bear, the little kind of the main drag. 
And um, when you get out on the roads going up to the cabin, it's completely pitch black. They're like these dark, winding, uh, hilly country roads. Um, and just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, while I was driving up, that peered up ahead of us was just this guy, completely shirtless, in shorts, fumbling around like a zombie, walking in the middle of the road. And so, like, I basically came up and, like, came, uh, swerved around him, but also honked. And uh, so that he knew I was there. And he just, it's like his face, like, uh, woke up and he just started sprinting forward, like, following the car. It was so freaky. We were actually lost. We got lost because we kind of, I got, our GPS stopped working and it, or on the phone. I couldn't get a signal. And so I had to loop back around to go back to from where we came from. And we came back up on him again. He was just in the middle of the road walking just just like a zombie in the middle of the road um and then by the time what we got back i didn't know where we were and our cabin had barely any signal i was trying to call the cops to say hey look there's this guy random guy in the middle of the road i didn't know where it was because we were lost i didn't get any could didn't even have a signal to call it in so we have no idea like what that guy was doing out at night if he was on drugs or if he was uh the walking dead whatever it was it's pretty freaky Sounds like uh, sounds like I just G- peed myself. You just peed yourself. <laughs> sounds yeah. like a good old case of angel dust. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. Um, it was like a big like bike uh, festival in town in Big Bear, and I wonder if he was like a biker or so, like a, a cyclist that uh, got off the path. And Perhaps a cyclist maybe who lost his way. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it's was freaky. Isn't that weird though? How people can become dehydrated and they just they do the craziest things you know, I know. I mean, it you didn't know. even seem seem like he was like like there was a person in him like it seemed like yeah. he was like soulless it was crazy we should try to find this guy and interview him on the podcast we should <laughs> sir do you have a soul yeah. and uh <laughs> are you still dehydrated um have you guys seen this circling around this week on uh the uh social media the interwebs the new the new study that shows brain activity after death uh that's yeah. actually uh you know, if you if you're aware of a little gem called Source Code, yeah. the movie that's that's the whole premise of that movie. Or isn't it like what's that movie that they remade the old Kevin Bacon one? Uh, Hollow Man. Hollow. <laughs> no, the other one. The other <laughs> one. Footloose. No, the one that's like they all uh, they all uh, they all die. Flatliners. Flatliners. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't remember die, this being mentioned in the uh, article. Did it say dead. how for how long after death that occurs? It, it's, I think it's pretty short afterwards. But I, I mean, you read old like accounts of people like getting Out beheaded. Oh right, and yeah. seeing like their face still making expressions and their eyes Marie moving Antoinette. and stuff. Marie Antoinette blinked at the crowd. Yeah, that was times. it. And then one doctor, I think, actually. Uh, <laughs> he got sentenced to the guillotine and he was like, well, I'm going to make the best of a bad situation here and have my like assistant see if, <laughs> see if my head's still alive afterwards. And, uh, <laughs> apparently it made a very, uh, convincing face and, uh, blinked a couple of times, but that wasn't. But did they enough. agree on the face before it no, happened? No. Well, he, he said, I feel he like said that would, would be would, the only thing that would help. I think prove he it. said that he would blink like a couple of times, but to me, you're, I'm guessing that your brain is going into shock at a certain uh, point because you're losing so much blood. And I don't think you have, I don't think you'll have a full, uh, full control of your facilities. I don't know. That's, that's freaky. 
I'm just, getting creeped out you over know, here. You know what really, <laughs> no, but you know what really, I mean, if you ever want to like, I think some of the most harrowing stories I've read um, have to do with people being buried alive. Oh yeah, that, you. That is like that's the like they'll dig up they'll dig up coffins yeah. and they'll they'll exhume bodies and they'll find like scratches on in the inside of the coffin and yeah. they'll find their t- fingernails torn out or they've dislocated their shoulders and they're they've ri- like they've I mean ripped their faces off because they they I mean you're in darkness you wake up you have no idea where you are there's no air yeah so you basically just panic to death. That's insane. Well, why would you rip off your own face? I don't know. I guess it's just, I guess it's insanity. I mean, you would go like insane. It seems like, like a bad idea. It does. <laughs> it seems counterintuitive. I mean, I understand the claw marks and dislocating your shoulders yeah. and like maybe getting hit but in the about face because like you're trying to sit your up hair and out or something like that. You yeah. know, like, like if you, if you go mad, then, you know, you, you pretty much start doing all sorts of weird does stuff. Does anybody but, rip their hair out when they go mad? Or is that just in cartoons? <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> ask ask Bruce Willis, yeah, <laughs> and oh, Vin man. Diesel and <laughs> Jason Statham. <laughs> oh man, uh, that's 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 crazy. It I mean, is. It's, it's very creepy out. stuff, and it makes me like like you know they used to have like uh, specifically they used to have like little devices in 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 graveyards where you could uh, you could like ring a bell if you were buried alive. Like they would have a string that went down a tube into your grave. And it was attached to a bell, well, and you would ring it. Let me get this straight, though, okay? It seems as if if they would go to all that trouble to put that backup plan in place, why don't they just make sure that the person is dead from now on? Well, it's, it's weird. I mean, well, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's like a weird. Um, I mean, in the in the past, I think doctors, you know, maybe didn't have a. F- better understanding of comas yeah maybe uh i mean a lot of times they put like mirrors under people's noses and just like <laughs> that would be like the indication of like whether or not whether so they were breathing yeah whether there was like uh condensation on the mirror but why but a mirror why not your fingertips your- you can feel condensation if somebody's breathing with you, put your fingertips under their nose. Yeah, but you'd be able to see it. Like you'd be, you'd be able to like, I mean, think about like anybody breathing on a mirror. <laughs> I'm not trying to defend 17th century medicine, but, but th- think <laughs> of it this way, really right? did cure some stuff. Now what? If they went through all the effort to, you know, put the coffin yeah. down, put a tube with a rope and a bell and all this sure. stuff and then bury it. It's a lot of work to dig that hole. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there'd be people around the bell and it would go ding and there'd be some like poor guy like working in the graveyard that's on his break and would the, be like working the graveyard eh. shift. He snips the I'm, wire. I'm not going to deal with that today. <laughs> he just he just has like a box of Cheez-Its and he just pours it down the, the little tube going down. And he's like, it's like, there you go, buddy. That'll last you about a day. Um, no, but the guy who actually came up with a lot of those inventions and, and marketed them as like, if you're buried alive, this is what you'll do. He actually ended up, I think, uh, cremating himself. <laughs> Like he it makes literally. a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> How do you do that? Well, it's it's called self-immolation, John, and it's uh, oh, it's it? uh, it's very unpleasant. I don't understand that people who burn. This is getting very morbid, but this is the Halloween episode. People who burn themselves alive out of protest don't get it. 
don't understand it at all. Like, um, it seems like the worst possible way to protest. Wait, wait, wait. Is this is this being culturally insensitive right now? Why? Because Buddhist monks did it in the sixties. <laughs> Just it's I'm not going to complain. They, they, they don't. They don't own that. <laughs> Other people have burned themselves around the world in protest of things. It's not just no. the. They just got more publicity. They just got more <laughs> PR out of it. No, but it just seems like ah, it seems like the worst possible way you could do it. You know, yeah. I mean, I you get attention my thumb for on sure. A pen. It's a learning experience. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. If you Anyways. don't learn from that experience, you're a sociopath. I think we just um, lost our Buddhist audience. <laughs> Sorry, uh, our Buddhist monk audience. Which are they allowed to listen to podcasts? Maybe not. I don't know. Well, even but if Tibet, they're not, Tibet. I think they take vows of silence so they can't say otherwise. Oh, there you go. We're yeah. with you, Tibet. We yeah. we understand your, <laughs> your plight. Um, guys, I hate to do this right now. Um, in the middle of of a recording session. But I really need to lay down a track, and by laying down a track, I don't mean a Phoenix shaving ad. I mean I need to take care of some business. So, um, you need to see a man about a dog. Yeah. Um, do you mind? That's very you guys unprofessional. Mind uh, just taking over this next segment? Will I go do that? Sure. Oh, man. Okay. Well, wait. What's the segment like? What the, the, do we need to know anything about this? Uh, yeah. It, it it should come along. I'll hit it right now, okay. and it'll start. And I'm going to run to the bathroom. Okay. Interview with a vampire. So, uh, uh, in Jordan's absence, it looks like we have, uh, given that this is a Halloween episode, John, and it's, uh, you know, supposed to be spooky and themed. Yes. Um, we, uh, we're going to up our, uh, diversity quota today with guests. We're going to have, uh, an actual vampire on, which is, oh uh, my goodness. a specific demographic that we have not quite explored. <laughs> and, uh, oh, the, the, here we go. He just, Hello, man, guys. He just, I, I didn't see him. He, I, I literally, the curtains just kind of flew up much like your story, Ooh, John. Uh, hello, and, <laughs> hello, Johnny boy, the Don. Hey. I, I am, uh, a Vlad the vampire and I, uh, I am very, uh, I'm thankful for you having me on your show. Can I just ask, have you been haunting any houses in Canada? Oh, uh, I have not. Uh, it's okay. a little, oh, so uh, it wasn't you. Yeah, it's a little uh, far away for me, and uh, Justin Trudeau is not very friendly to uh, vampires. <laughs> did you uh, Did you say what your name was? I'm sorry, I, I wasn't paying attention. Yes, it is uh, Vlad. Okay. Okay. Vlad the vampire. Just, just Vlad. Just Vlad. Okay. Yeah. It was good to keep anonymity up. That um, is my name. Uh, I am actually a descendant from Vlad the Impaler. He is uh, uh, my grandfather. Is is Vlad the Impaler? So how old does that make you? Because he was like immortal, right? It makes me uh, hundreds of years old. Hundreds of years old. Okay. Done. Okay. So you're is that why your accent there. has? Uh, how shall we say? Um, uh, 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 modified? Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> Sounds a little like, uh, you know, Super Mario Brothers as oh. opposed to uh, maybe Transylvania. Super Mario, I'm a big fan. But uh, uh, yes, I see that is a common misconception. Okay? I mean, granted, you were, I mean, you wouldn't have been able to go outside as a child. So I'm sure you had to keep yourself occupied in the coffin. Yes, yes. But the things have changed for <laughs> vampires. You know, I, uh, living as long as I have, I have traveled around the world. And, you know, as you travel, you pick up accents from different places. You know, uh, I also do uh, sometimes the impressions. <laughs> Any, uh... <laughs> 
any specifics that you want to, you know, do you feel comfortable uh, getting you, into You that? want me to do the impressions? Uh, sure, uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, I can do, uh, uh, I can do a Bill Cosby, very popular in America. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know what? That's very uh, <laughs> topical right now, and, and you could, uh, yeah, you, you could do that. I watch the reruns at night. I get the uh, the, the cable pumped into my coffin. <laughs> yeah, you get that, the, the, the Huxtable, Huxtable family and everything. Yes, okay. All so, right. okay. I, I, I am the Bill Cosby. <laughs> In the pudding. <laughs> I'm sorry, very rusty. It's been years since I do Bill Cosby. So Vlad, do you have like a day job or um like what do you what do you what do you do? Uh mostly I spend my day inside. I uh you know, I watch the uh the Netflix, the HBO Go. Binge watching, right? Yes. Yeah. And at night is when I suck the blood from the human victims. Oh whoa, that's uh May have to cut that a little one graphic out. there. Yes, but flag. you know, slightly illegal too. I don't think that's. I don't think that's very. Uh, well, you know, things are changed these days. You know, everything is so politically correct. Oh, don't eat humans. You know, uh, I say, make America great. <laughs> okay. Whoa. Okay. You're just you're just pushing all sorts of buttons. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's. All right. Let's let's stick to the script here. Um, uh, so, you know, obviously it's Halloween time this year. Yes. Um, and uh, as being a vampire, you must be uh, relatively busy. What uh, what what keeps you occupied these days? Well, you know, I, I it is very good time of year to suck the blood because so many people outside the trick-or-treating. I can just, you know, grab one and nobody even knows because they're all in costume. <laughs> well, well, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> this is, uh, mm, this is very odd. I'm trying to get Glendale well, PD well, on the for phone here. <laughs> um, I guess we, you know what? Hey, uh, Vlad, can you just take your headphones off for a second? Well, John, John, and I just have to talk about some podcasting oh, okay. stuff. Okay, it's it's uh, it's nothing big. Okay. Yeah, just. John, this guy is, um, <laughs> I think we need to Don't know. turn your back. Don't turn your I'm back on him. I'm not going to turn my back on him. I may have to stab him in the heart with a, with a, with a stake. If Jordan Make has sure one it's silver. around No, here. that's for werewolves. No, I'm pretty sure. Oh, right. Yeah. It just has to be wood for vampires. I'm going to keep going with the questions, but, um, I'm going to, I guess I'll just call Glendale PD to come here at the end because he's, he's creeping me out. All right, Vlad. You um, do know I can hear you even no, if I yeah. take off my headphones, right? <laughs> I should have told you to plug your ears. And you know what? You're actually a little... Un could you, like, get off me, bro? I mean, this is a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, you, I, I, I don't know first, how man. things... I don't know how things are in Transylvania, but I'm, here... In, I must say... Uh, here in this country... The Don. The Don. The, Don Juan. Oh. Don Juan Di Marco. Oh. <laughs> you see that movie? He's touching... Why are you touching your... <laughs> Your, uh, you seem to be touching your, your chest in a very odd way. I don't really, I, I, I know the cultural barriers here. I mean, you know, we're not the most cultured. Hey, things are very loose in Transylvania. Okay, well, you know, here in America, we we like to keep things slightly boys professional. Boys will be boys. So you just uh, you just keep your you keep to your side of the podcast table there. Um, hey, John, uh, why don't you uh, yeah. ask Vlad a question here? Do you date? 
Oh, that's a very good question. I yes, know if I yes. Know the answer to that yes, one. I do date. It is uh, very difficult uh, dating as a vampire, you know, because I can find any woman I want, and I am very, you know, sexy. I can entice the woman mm. very easily, mm-hmm. like Don Juan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a real so, Casanova. Huh? So, and uh, once I, you know, abide the lady I want, I have her forever. Yeah, very and, monogamous. Yes, we and we have a very, you know, hot. A passionate relationship, but uh, you know, after the honeymoon phase is over, uh, they become bitter and resentful, and they blame me for their eternal damnation. Mm. Uh, that's, uh, I imagine that's pretty tough. Uh, they say that ninety uh, percent of vampire marriages end in divorce, and it's true. That's pretty high. Um, no, but I mean, that, that, that must be hard. That must make life uh, pretty lonely for it, you. It makes it very lonely, very lonely. And uh, I find myself alone in the castle, in the coffin, just wasting my days away watching the Hulu and the Netflix and the HBO Go and the Sling TV. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the TV before. Um, what? Well, you know, you've got to have friends, though, right? I mean, you got Facebook, you got Instagram, you got the Twitters, uh, you know, it's social media age. You can make friends the problem, even from a coffin. The problem is I can only be friends with the monsters, you know, and the werewolf is bully. The Frankenstein is a little needy. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the mummy is a asshole. The, 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 oh, the mummy. I see. I see. I thought you were talking about your mother. Well, that's tough. That's tough being, uh, you know. He's very tough. He's very tough. Sounds like you got a bad friend group there. We do. We do. This is why I need to be friends with the humans and humans Mm -hmm. don't be scared of the vampires. But I mean, to be fair, you are, um, I mean, you are sucking the blood and, and damning them for all eternity. So yes, it's kind of a one-way one street, you know. If you become vampire, we could be vampire together and we could be friends. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. That's what is that you got there? Let, let, let me... Uh, that well, is very nice T-shirt. Wait, wait, what are you talking about? It's oh. very nice costume you got oh, there. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the <clears throat> I mean, if you have Hulu, then you can watch, uh, you know, Indiana uh, Jones. Raiders Let of me Lost check Ark. the tag on no, the jacket. No. See what brand. I don't. Get, get the gun. <laughs> Should I send some towels? Wow, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't you. know what the. Thank you, Donovan. Uh, I am going to go smoke uh, a cigarette just, now. You guys you have a happy Halloween. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to stop this blood loss right now that's uh, uh, slowly leaking from my neck, but uh, let's go to a segment, a little segment that we like to call Listener Mail. All right, guys. Oh, sorry, that was uh, above sea level. Um, did the guest leave? Is he still here? Yeah, no, he, he's he's gone. It got. Uh, What's that you got on your neck? <sighs> it's a scarf. Uh, okay. For some, for a reason, it's uh, you know. So uh, I missed. Got I missed a little bit. Got a little weird. 
Got a little uh, I'm sorry I missed it. I, it took me forever to book him. I was glad yeah. he'd come on the, the Halloween episode. Yeah, um, all right, let's go. Back, I, back up, back up, Jordan. What? Don't sit that close. Don't don't sit too don't, close. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Let's. Um, oh yeah, uh, this is the segment on the show where we interact with you, the listener. You can interact with us on social media. You can leave us a review on iTunes. That not only helps our search rankings and uh, iTunes rankings for the show, but it also gives us some material to work with for, uh, you know, for banter for the show. You know, you're contributing to the show in a, in a sense. And you can also leave listener voicemail at man81scoff. All right, uh, Donovan, what does that first review say on iTunes? All right, this iTunes review is from Cribbin8Easy, and uh, it is a five-star review by Eric the Loudmouth Midget. So, he says, Donovan sounds so much like corn-fed from the TV show Duckman that I don't want to look for his real picture online and break the illusion. (laughs) Can you all give us some thoughts on gentlemanly games of wager and chance? The inventor of cribbage, John Suckling can't be a real name, was a true gentleman (laughs) scofflaw of the 16th century who wrote poetry, fought in wars, and died in rakish squalor in France. A contemporary man should at least be familiar with the rules of backgammon, billiards, and some other parlor games to pass the time while enjoying his pipe in the company of friends. With a name like John Suckling, I think you kind of have to go into war and and (laughs) (laughs) invent cribbage. It's like a boy named Sue. Also, Um, don't look up pictures of me on the internet. You'll be severely disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Just just, just go with the pig. Well, thank you, uh, Crib It Ain't Easy, for that, or Eric the Loudmouth Midget, for uh, that review. (laughs) Although it wasn't really a review, it was more like... uh, like you, it was question. more of a question, yeah. He yeah, kinda, but he yeah. kind of pulled the wool over he our eyes the there. Over. But with hey, five he, stars. he still gave us five stars, That's right? True. So that we appreciate it. That's, Thank you, Eric. Uh, what does that next one say, uh, there, Johnny boy? Well, just a comment on that first one. Yeah, yeah where, are we going to answer backgammon? the question? Backgammon is a great game. It's my favorite. Is oh, yeah. it considered a board game? I think so. But it is. I mean, yeah. We should have somebody on talk about uh, these I was, games. I was in Kansas uh, just the other day, and um, my dad had a dartboard set up in the backyard or uh, under our, uh, our patio, and uh, we were playing some darts in the uh, good. You know, drinking some Guinness and I like playing, playing some darts. Playing, I like I like playing uh, billiards. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, like he said, yeah, we should have oh, wait, a billiards. But are guy. you isn't it billiards is different from pool though, right? That's all is the billiards same. snooker? I think bill, billiards is like the actual old fashioned game of of like where there are no uh pockets and then pool has like pockets. I I don't know. Either way, yes. You should know the rules of these games. I used to play a lot of pocket pool as a teenager. It Uh, makes it makes so much more. (laughs) John, what is that other one? Good one, old field pipe guy. Uh, He says totally hooked on your podcast after hearing about it on Country Squire Radio. Great hearing JD on your show as a guest. Mm. Living with MS, I get to visit with Tobacco Jesus each time I go in the shop. You guys are awesome. 
I think he said living in MS. <laughs> living in MS. Oh, meaning Mississippi. When you read that, I was like, wait, why would living somebody. With MS? Yeah. That would be. Well, a lot of people do. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it would, tobacco it, it would helps. change a different. It would take a different tone, I think, of this, uh, this interview. <laughs> um, all right. We also got a listener mail from uh, Man Ate One Scoff. So let's play it um, here. Chew it up. Uh, hi, yeah, this is Louie, uh, big fan of the show. Uh, my question is for Donovan the Don. Uh, I noticed you just joined Instagram. Uh, welcome to 2014. I mean, my mom's been on it since then. Jeez. Anyways, my question is, I saw you posted a photo of 18-pack large eggs from Lucerne Farm, and, and half the eggs are missing. And my question is, are you going to be a real dirtbag and throw those at little kids this year? I really hope not. You know, when I, was, when I was a little kid, I got egged really hard. And then everyone laughed at me. And even Jenny Kabaskin, who had a huge crush on, wouldn't talk to me anymore. So I just hope you're, you're not going to do that, you know? Okay, guys. Uh, thanks. That's my question. I uh, love the show. Have a good day. <laughs> See, this is why this is why I didn't want an Instagram. I don't want my uh, my posts my posts being being uh, poured over like this. But um, well, welcome to, to the twenty first century. To answer your question, uh, no, I was going to eat the eggs, but I was going to throw the beer cans at kids. Oh, God, uh, from the roof of my house. <laughs> well, that yelling, makes it all yelling drunken. Uh, Offensive things. So take off better. your mask. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is just I do that on just like regular days, even in November. <laughs> just gosh. Uh, thank you guys for all that uh, listener mail. We appreciate all the feedback and the interaction. Um, we are going to go to a quick break, and we'll be back with Vince, director of Fear Inc. Yeah. Is that really what they call me, the Don? Now, this segment is brought to you by Audible.com. And for you, the listeners of the Gentleman's Call Flop podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Um, now, they're a great website. And if you like listening to podcasts, you like listening to audiobooks. Um, and again, with this free trial, you can download any title you would like. Um, I would recommend... If at Birth You Don't Succeed, written by my good friend and friend of the show, Zach Anner. Um, he's a hilarious guy, and he reads his own audiobook, which is rare. So that's a bonus. So download his book today. He's a guest of the show. You can listen to his book for free. Now, audiobooks are great. Um, they work just like, you know, listening to a podcast. If you like listening to podcasts, you like listening to audiobooks. Well, you're sitting there, you know, uh, cooking dinner. Or uh, you're, you know, at work, uh, you know, typing some emails. Or maybe you're you're stuck in L.A. traffic like I am. Or maybe you're, you know, it's the weekend and you're just uh, sitting back and uh, doing some uh, Pinterest crafts uh, that you've always wanted to do that you've had there on your board just waiting for you to to, to tackle. Uh, you might as well listen to an audiobook while doing that. And, and people don't know that you, you killed two birds with one stone. You made an amazing Pinterest craft, and you listened to the book. Now, I don't know which of our listeners are making Pinterest crafts, but um, there are some pretty manly crafts you can do on Pinterest. So go to audibletrial.com slash gentscofflaw to get your free audiobook download and your free 30-day trial today. You won't regret it. 
All right, I'm excited to have this next guest, uh, a friend of mine, um, director, filmmaker. Um, you might have seen his movie Fear Inc. available on demand right now. Uh-huh. Vince, well, the way Siri says it is muscular. Whenever I try and text <laughs> you, but uh, how, how do you say it, Vince? Is it it's actually Michelle? Michelle. Okay. Shelley, yeah. which is the Americanized version of an Italian name, which is supposed to be Masiali. Masiali. Okay. At some point, my grandparents or somebody in my family changed it to Michelle. So it's Michelle. funny how the uh, the like, especially the Italians and the Irish thought that they were getting away with that. When it's like it doesn't. Sa- I mean, like, like what do you what do you think you're like you're you're convincing somebody that you're French or British? Like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it's work pretty, like It's that, like guys. we got to make us ourselves. We got to assimilate and make ourselves sound more American. Yeah. yeah Although yeah. when you look at our names, there's no way you're going to be able to pronounce it. Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I say I I say that I'm not criticizing. I say yeah. that because my family went through the same thing coming from Ireland. Yeah, so. oh, man. yeah of course. Um, we don't know what they went through. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? You got something in your glass there. What are you drinking there? Uh, I'm drinking a little homemade scotch that I got mm. for my birthday from nice. my parents. It's a little barrel-aged uh, moonshine turned to scotch. Really? So, That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder, was, so did yeah. you, you said your parents make that or you made that? Uh, I made it. It's, uh, I mean, I didn't actually make, make the whiskey, but it's a bear, one of those barrel aged kits that you get. Um, and you put, you know, you can put it any, any, you can put like vodka in it. You can put anything that's any kind of liquor that's clear, put it in the barrel and put kind of flavoring in it. And if it sits for a couple of weeks, it ages enough to turn into scotch, which oh, is what I'm really? drinking. It's very delicious. Oh, wow. that's really nice. I gotta try some of this stuff. Um, he, he is a true Renaissance man. You guys don't know this, but Vince, uh, he uh he's a wood like a woodworker i guess you do like woodworking he's making his own scotch i, I do <laughs> you have a lathe do i have a lathe i do not have a lathe i, oh, I always want to have a, a lathe <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have a lathe but i do have a mini i turn my garage into a mini wood shop that's got a table saw and it's got a you know it's got a little bit of everything in it which is i make just homemade furniture out of stuff in my garage. Well, it's the perfect the place to, if you had a lathe, you could spin <laughs> like the, the legs of cables and Jeez, stuff. Oh, it's a great tool. What's weird is I actually, we, I have a friend that, um, that has a bunch of stuff that she can't keep in her apartment. So she dropped off like a year ago, a lathe that's like sitting on the side of my house, but I don't know how to use it. So I do, I guess I technically do have one. I just haven't used it yet. But she's it's it's a great table. Uh, legs. Well, it's they, they call it the great gateway drug to woodworking. Oh, really? Because if you set it up properly, <laughs> you could make something really nice in a short amount of time with minimal effort. John, John, John is like at the he's, he's the edge of the knife when it comes to to whatever this is marketing. <laughs> Lay, is it laid? Or laid? I, I don't know. He, he seems to be pushing this pretty hard. Yeah. So, Are you part of some like like multi level marketing lathe that yeah. like involves lathes? Is that what it is, John? That, that's right. I sell lathe as a side hustle. How dare you sully the podcast with this? <laughs> that and your essential oils. Um, um, hey. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and it's people, uh, this is kind of a funny little fact. Um, you actually taught me to smoke a cigar, which was like three years oh, I ago. you? Yeah. 
We that was were, the first time you smoked a cigar? Yeah, it was at, uh, at a friend of ours' birthday. We were all gathered around, and I brought a bunch of cigars that had been sitting in my cupboard for a year. And you, you looked at them, right. and you squeezed it, and it crackled. And you're like, I guess they're all right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and you showed me how to get it. They'll so, smoke. Yeah, so, Have and, you smoked uh, since? I have. I, I mostly got into pipes because I, I, I don't know. I thought that would I would enjoy that more, and I, and I had one of my grandfather's. But I, I do every now and then. Now so, since so what, Jordan? Recounting this experience, what what did he uh, what what did he pass well, on you, that you've that you've retained? Well, you showed me how to uh, to like. Uh, I guess. I feel like you told me how to do this, or maybe I saw it in a YouTube video, but how to how to inhale it and kind of twirl it a little bit, and you gave me the little uh, butt puncher, whatever it's called. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's very intimate. Punch. Yeah. The butt puncher. control. Cigar butt puncher. Yeah, that cigar butt puncher. Yeah. <laughs> if this were if this were a video, uh, my hands would be blurred right now. Um, <laughs> well, we didn't get. Well, we brought here you here to talk about whatever. But um, <laughs> you are a filmmaker. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, what's what's your story? How do you get started in filmmaking? Oh man, I, you know I've been. I'm a kid of the late eighties, mid, mid to late eighties, early nineties. So I, I grew up, uh, with, uh, originally Betamax tapes and VH and then, and then VHS tapes of all sorts of movies that I grew up watching, like monster squad and Indiana Jones. And the, te- we, for some reason we only had the temple of doom. <laughs> so that was like my sister and I watched that movie over and over again. And for a while was my favorite Indiana Jones movie. And then, and then it's still, I still, I still love it. But, um, so yeah, all the Indiana Jones movies. And then when I got a little bit older, it was the Terminator movies and Jurassic park. And at some point I realized this is like, these aren't just magical gifts showing up to my house. Like somebody's making, somebody's, somebody's making a living making movies. And, um, um, and so I realized pretty, pretty at a young age, like 10, 10 or 11 years old, that that's what I wanted to do with my life. Like someone can get paid to make these cool things. I want to do that. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know what a director was. I didn't know what a producer was or an editor or anything. So, um, yeah, I just, I made a lot of really crappy films as a kid with my dad's over the shoulder VHS camera. And, uh, and then was fortunate enough to have the high, the high school that I went to had a TV film program. Oh, wow. And I did that for four years and made a lot of, even more crappy films. Um, and then, and then went to, went to, you know, went to college film school and did that for another four years and started to get a little bit better. Uh, and then moved to LA and, um, you know, kind of got into editing and started making films on the side. And so it's just been something I've always wanted to do. That's awesome. Yeah. It's funny. Everybody yeah. has a similar story like that. I feel like, cause we're all, all of us here have, have kind of, seem to fell in some way like that VHS camera. You might be a little younger for that. Maybe no, you have I, VHS I camera. I, I, one of my first pictures with a camera was VHS camera. VHS. I even, I, I yeah. know, I know of Betamax, but yeah. you know, speaking of temple of doom, I recently, uh, put that movie on while I was like really, really tired and I started to fall asleep <laughs> and take a nap. And I, did not realize how much screaming is in that movie. <laughs> There's so there is much a lot screaming. of screaming, especially when uh, 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 Steven Spielberg's wife is is being lowered into the the uh, 
Oh, yeah. Pitch. She just screams the whole movie. She does. She does. But, <laughs> but however, it is a, uh, it, it, it's a delight. This is how you can it's tell when you're getting movie, older. It, it is. It's very, it's very, it's, it's, very, it's a lot of fun. I think it's like in, in many it ways. Like, it's also yeah. really dark. I didn't yeah, realize yeah. I probably shouldn't have been watching it as young as I was watching it. But yeah. like, there's so many scenes in that movie, particularly Temple of Doom. That are really, you know, the monkey brains eating oh, yeah. that whole dinner scene, and Pretty you know, mom. ripping everyone's hearts out and <laughs> dropping them into the fire. It was just that's a it's a dark movie. I think yeah. I think uh, Spielberg and Lucas said that they were both going through divorces at the time. They were. That, that was the whole well, reason. I know. I know for sure Spielberg was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's why that that's like one of his darkest movies. Yeah, Crazy. it's pretty. Yeah, it's uh, nothing like getting your heart ripped it's out. Like his, it's his, it's his <laughs> blue period, right? Is that what it was? Um, no, I'm pretty like sure that, I'm pretty sure that was 1941. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or uh, or what do you call it? What's Schindler's that List? That's pretty blue. Uh, yeah, boy, oh, Schindler's List. Oh, um, have you guys watched that? Speaking of, have you watched the Spielberg documentary on HBO? No, I keep yeah, hearing everybody, good things. Everybody keeps that. telling me great that, things. That was really good. Oh, you saw it's it? Like two and, I did see it. It's like two and a half hours long. It's very detailed. It, it it's a really well made documentary. It is, and, uh, yeah. As anyone who's a Spielberg fan, or you know, we've all been touched by his movies at some point. It's really fascinating to see like an entire encapsulation of his career. From and what, what really stands out for me was uh, they were showing him uh, film the scene in ET when uh, Elliot's at the, the the coffin thing with the you know the see through glass top, and yeah. Spielberg's right there below the camera and he's telling him how to act every instant. And I had no idea that he was that hands on. And it, so, well, especially with the, with the child actor, and I've I've worked with kids before, and it's interesting because you can't. You know, when you're, I don't know how old, um, whatever that actor's name is that played Elliot. Um, Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas. That's right. Good for you, John. He's like the rain man Um, of movie trivia. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Hey, I love that. Uh, Don't watch Gerald's game. Henry Thomas does bad things. Oh, Oh, really? He's in Gerald's game? Yeah. Oh, man. I actually do want to check it out. Um, But yeah, when you're when you're when you're directing actors of that age, you kind of you have to talk to them as you as you would an eight or nine or ten year old, and it's different than talking to an actor who's thirty or forty or fifty. So it, well, yeah, I did notice that part of the documentary when he's standing there, you know, getting all excited and in his face and at his level, and he said, "Okay, now, but now do it this way," and you know, and my my senior thesis for college was a. Uh, a film called the great speedwell caper. And it was this like heist movie starring four eight year olds who, <laughs> who rob, uh, this toy store to steal this really coveted action figure. Uh, it's a really fun little movie. And, uh, yeah, I had, to, I had to be, I had to turn myself into sort of an eight year old while I was directing mm. these actors. Cause, um, you know, you kind of have to get to their, their point of view to a certain, to a certain extent to get, to get the performances you need. Oh, yeah. yeah, and to see how many movies Spielberg's directed with young actors is really interesting. You know, yeah, yeah. I'd like to see his movies with just him, like uh, like Eddie Murphy in all the roles, playing all the kids' roles, and see what that would look like. <laughs> There'd be a lot. Well, of so you see in this documentary, you see him getting that excited as a little kid, and it's like <laughs> that's 
Yeah, bet that's the way he is on set. Yeah, you know. Well, it's funny Most because I think there's that whole story of like how he discovered that little girl who, I mean, tragically, unfortunately, died. But she, uh, she was in Poltergeist, and he just oh, he was yeah. walking around. I think the studio, and she was she was out by herself, and he kind of went and sat down with her and asked her where her mom was, and you know, like try started talking to her, and then eventually figured out that she was the the right one for the part, but. Isn't that but movie yeah. cursed? It's it's they say <laughs> it that. Well, they had they had real human cadavers, uh, I believe, as like skeletons. I'm surprised like, that they didn't that know didn't, it at the time. That, that but, got by so well, many it's, people. I, you know why? I think <laughs> they were probably the remnants, you could remnants get away of with early Hollywood stuff. They were probably like sold to them, sold to the studios in the 1920s. They were like, oh, no one's know. doing anything with this Indian burial ground. <laughs> yeah. Let's put them in the movie. <laughs> it's like, this one's Marilyn Monroe. And this one's yeah, Ricky Nelson. No. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, that, I mean, that's what we call a segue. No. Um, Didn't even try. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about Fear Inc. Because we're talking about like kind of these old horror movies or the stuff that Steven Spielberg done. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the genesis of the project um, and how it got started because it's a really cool movie for people that are horror film lovers. You want to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, yeah. Fear Inc. is uh, a movie about um, a company, you know, in a, in a nutshell, is a movie about a company that you can hire to come scare you. So for, for all those fans of haunted houses, people that love going to haunted houses, this is like you know, the next level of that, like this, it's a haunted house that comes to you sort of the Mm. premise appearing. And, um, my business partner and I, Luke, who wrote the movie, um, were big fans of, you know, eighties and nineties horror films. We're big fans of haunted houses. Um, but we had never done anything in the horror space before. And so as we were, you know, kind of building our company up and doing a lot of sketches for funny or die and doing a lot of goofy, satirical things uh we had we had come across this horror online horror competition um where you you know the three rules <clears throat> for the competition were you uh you submit a film you ha- has to be under three minutes less you can't spend more than a thousand dollars on the film and it has to be loosely based around this concept of who's there oh, and nice. so i asked luke i said do you have any ideas for this because i think w- we should do something in the genre space and he said well let me tell you a story. I've got this buddy and this guy loves haunted houses and he goes, he goes to all of them. He goes to Halloween horror nights and not scary farm. And he's perpetually disappointed when he goes. (laughs) And so he, he invited me to this one in downtown called blackout. And if you haven't heard of blackout, it's this extreme haunted house that you pay $150 to get into. You have to sign a waiver because they can touch you. They can, they can, they can, you know, lock you in a coffin. They drag you through water. They can do all sorts of crazy Force stuff. Feed you. This is, yeah, they, <laughs> they can do all sorts of weird stuff. And you have to sign a waiver to get in. He asked Luke, do you want to go with me? And Luke said, no, I have no desire to do this. <laughs> a couple weeks later, and he said, how was Blackout? And Luke's friend said, it was, it was better than the other ones, but for $100, I wanted more. And Luke was like, you're crazy. What this guy really wanted was to feel like he was going to die, but not actually die. And so that's when he told me, he told me the story and he said, what if there was a company that you could hire to come scare you? And I thought that's, that's a brilliant idea. A for a company would be for this is, this would be a great idea for a movie. So we did a short, that was three minutes. We submitted to this online festival. We got in the top five of the festival. And oddly enough, one of the other films 
in the top five is a movie called Lights Out, which ended up becoming a big Warner Brothers movie that yeah. came out last last yeah, year. It's a great movie. Uh, so we were in the top five with with that film, the short film Lights Out, which is a great short film. You know, got a ton of YouTube comments, and everyone kept saying we'd love to see this as a feature. So it was natural for us to develop it uh, into a feature film, which is what we did. Wow, that's awesome! I, I feel that's like awesome. that kind of story is like it's you hear that a lot about horror movies. There seems to be like this real supportive kind of community around it. Um, and it's like, you get like immediate response if you put something good out there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think the, I think what resonated at least with the people that watched the short. And when we were talking to people about the concept for the future as we were developing it was this idea that, um, you know, over the last five or six years, or maybe even a lot, a little longer, it seems like, our society has become oddly obsessed with all things horror. Yeah. Um, and you know, this time of year is Halloween. So you see even more of it with all the haunted houses. And, um, but like escape rooms are a massive thing. Zombie campouts are big things. Oh, and gosh. you know, uh, the biggest movies this year have been horror films, get out and it and yeah. um, happy death day that just came out yeah. uh, the weekend before last are massive successes. And so there's something interesting about like, you know, we in Western culture culture live in relatively for for the most part safe environments. And so there's something to be said about going to places where we get to experience a thrill. And so, um, this idea of like being a thrill seeker and having enough money to hire a company to give you a customized scary experience is not that far from reality i think that's what people enjoyed about the concept of the film yeah it reminds me of uh have you seen david fincher's the game oh yeah with, Mike, with michael douglas so it's it's, yep. it's kind of like it's it's kind of that kind of idea where you want this uh break from the monotony of you know the daily grind an adventure that you you apply for but you don't know exactly what you're going to get yeah, well, that's it's it's funny that you mentioned that the the short um, opened up. We we realized pretty quickly with the short that it was very similar to um, the game in that respect. And a lot of the comments on YouTube with the short were, "This is a horror version of the game. We love it." And so with the feature, when we started developing that, we embraced. We didn't want to go away from that concept. We embraced it. And so in the feature, there's multiple references to the game and David Fincher himself, because we are big fans of David Fincher and the game. And so, you know, there's even a line in the movie that's like, have you ever seen the game? This is well, that's what this is. And <laughs> I remember um, that, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is, you know, we wanted to acknowledge that this, that's what this is. Yeah. It's a horror version. Of the game. Well, it, the, the whole movie feels very much like a, a loving homage to other horror movies. I mean, there's so many, uh, I mean, just from the main, like the main character wearing the Freddy Krueger shirt, like most of the movie. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it, it, there's a bunch of references in there. So anyone who is a horror fan will catch them. I, I don't know. We don't have to ruin them for people who haven't seen it yet. But, um, yeah, I, we definitely feel that watching it. Oh, these guys really love horror. <laughs> Yeah, well, for us, it was like, you know, we we thought from the very beginning, if we're going to do a horror film, we're going to do something that speaks to us. And um, there's a whole list of movies that, while, you know, recently, while I respect 
um, that are elevated genre movies like It Follows and The Invitation and The Witch, which are all interesting movies that are kind of slow burn horror films. Yeah. We genuinely missed the movies that we saw as kids like Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween yeah. and, you know, one of our favorites Scream, which came out when we were in high school was like the ultimate example um, of a movie that was self-aware and, and was fun and scary at the same time. And so for us, we were like, if we're going to make a horror film, we're going to do something like that. That's, you know, we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. We're going to have fun with it. We want the scary moments to be intense. We want this to be self-referential. We want it to reference movies that we grew up watching. Um, and, uh, and we want it to be, at the end of the day, we want it to be fun, not take itself too seriously. And so that's like the reason we went that direction, you know, is we were like, how fun would it be if the, if the main character was obsessed with horror films and he got a, he got a custom horror experience where he gets to witness all these horror movie deaths, you know, in, in real life. And so it's, it's kind of fun to witness Joe, the main character, be giddy through the whole movie as you've seen all those favorite horror movies come to life. Yeah. And, and what I love about the movie too, is there's, there's multiple twists that you don't see coming where like, there's a, like, cause it starts, cause it's, seems like we could talk about that too. Like you have a background with your, with your, uh, business partner in, in a lot of co- comedic type stuff, but it feels very comedic and funny. And then at one point it turns where you're not sure what's happening. And that that's where it, it, I mean, the whole thing's fun, but you're like, Oh crap, is, is this actually happening or is this not happening? It's, it's, it's a lot of fun if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That was, we wanted to keep people on their toes. Uh, and we wanted to keep, you know, the thing, the thing about the main character of the movie is we wanted him to be relatively authentic for, for who he was, yeah. this kind of slacker, um, you know, feeding off of his girlfriend, sort of bro guy that we kind of, you kind of love to hate, um, who's obsessed with horror. So like, he's going to see everything coming. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to keep him on his toes and then by extension, keeping the audience on their toes and just keep spinning things around. Because if this was a real life person and a company really came in to scare him, what would they do? They'd have to keep this guy on his toes and keep him thinking like, wait a minute, is this part of a movie? Is this real? Is this a company? Is someone really trying to kill me? And so that's like, we just wanted to have fun with that sort of like back and forth throughout the whole movie. What I like is you've got a, a good cast of characters in the company that put on these kind of, I don't know what you, what they're, what are they called? Scares? These custom haunts or what? I don't, I don't know when you would refer to them as. Um, but one of the actors in this is a guy that's a huge part of my childhood, Patrick Reina. <laughs> Uh, was, Renna, yeah. Re, who was in uh, uh, Sandlot, Sandlot, which is one of my favorite movies you of play all time. Ball like a girl, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And first, You're killing you me, small. Yeah. yeah, so many great lines and a great, like, great child actor, and still great as an adult. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to hear about that. What was it like working with that? Was he a part of your childhood too? Is that a like? It oh must my been goodness! Fun. Absolutely. I think everything. <laughs> everything that Luke and I do at some point, we've got to pull in somebody that we grew up watching, um, which is just like, you know, like we talked about grew up in the, in the eighties and nineties. And so, yeah, for sure. Sandlot was a huge part of my childhood. And if I was, you know, 
12 years old, if you told me when I was 12 that I'd get to be directing Ham from the Sandlot, I'd laugh in your face. <laughs> so it, was, it was a random, you know, sort of like, we, we hadn't cast that role yet. We were still casting the movie and we were getting very close to shooting. And I think Luke, my business partner, saw him coming out of a store and thought, man, I wonder what Ham from the Sandlot is up to these days. Is he busy? Should I try and call his manager and see if he <laughs> wants to do this movie? And that's literally what happened. He wow. cold called his manager and sent him the script and he really liked the script. And, um, and he, he joined our cast and it was so weird uh, because when he showed up set, it was like, he, he, what's funny about Patrick is he looks exactly like he looked in the Sandlot, <laughs> just old. Like yeah. he does not look like everybody who sees his face, who's seen the Sandlot knows immediately who he is. Yeah, And so that for us was like, it was so fun to work with this like legend from our childhood. Yeah. Um, and he's like one of the nicest guys. He was so generous. And what one funny little anecdote about Patrick was he, um, so he plays his character. He plays one of the employees of fear Inc in yeah. the movie. And, um, he's only, he's, he's only in a few scenes in the movie. Um, and he generously decided to come out and do it for us. Uh, but there is a scene in the movie where he plays, um, a masked character that gets into a confrontation with our main character and without giving anything away, um, you know, it's, it ends up being revealed that the person under the, the mask is Patrick Renner. And so the way we planned to shoot that scene was, um, you know, we're not going to have Patrick come out and be covered in a mask and, and do this big fight scene with our main actor. We're going to have a stunt person or, or one of us realistically do it <laughs> uh, and then have Patrick come out for the one shot where we reveal his face. And Patrick said, um, actually, I really want to do this scene wow. with the main actor. I want to, I want to be the guy in the mask. I want to do the fight scene. I want to do the stunt. I want to like brawl with him. And we're like, even though you're going to be covered in the mask all the time, he's like, I want to do it. I want to do it. <laughs> so he, that he's the person in the mask that and it's so awesome. Do it. He's like, I want to do it. Let's, let's wow. shoot the whole scene. He was so great. That's, He's so great to work with. That's awesome. A real team player, not like a like a yeah. diva actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then if you've seen if you've seen the movie, there's a really fun opening scene with Abigail Breslin oh, yeah. that Patrick's mm-hmm. in that we actually shot three like four or five months after we shot the entire movie. We shot that last. Oh, um right. and we actually added Patrick into that scene. He wasn't originally written into the scene because we liked working with him so much. And he was so great in everything else. We called him up and we said, we're doing the scene with Abigail Breslin. Do you want to be in it? And he said, absolutely. And so he came out and did that scene for us too, which is cool. Abigail Breslin, she was in signs with Mel Gibson. Did she talk about that? (laughs) John John and I are huge Mel Gibson movie fans. So, you know, he had to ask. Why people hated on that movie so much, but I loved it. I loved science. I, yeah, I loved great, it too. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. Uh, um, um, no, she did not talk about <laughs> science. We only worked with her one day. Um, and it was a pretty intense day. We were chasing her through a parking garage for about 12 hours. Um, she was <laughs> oh, such a trooper. And she did uh, not do the stunt work. <laughs> she did do the stunt work. She did everything. Oh, no. We had her oh, wow. on the ground. 
we had our we did everything but we didn't we didn't you know our our movie was such a low budget movie that we essentially had to do everything ourselves so um like we had a stunt coordinator we made everything safe but she nice. did she did all our own stunts she was great wow that's awesome um that's awesome. what's the process of distributing a movie like this what do you do you, do you where do people first see it and how do you like how do you go about distributing it well um, I mean, in this day and age, you can, there are a million different avenues to get your film to be seen, um, especially with, you know, the Netflixes of the world and video on demand and streaming and Facebook has distribution platforms and there's all sorts of ways to, to see films now. Um, but for us, we, um, we knew we wanted to premiere your ink at a, at a big festival and then try and sell it out of the festival. So that's, that's what ended up happening. We, we got it into tri- the Tribeca Film Vessel, which is a really big film oh, vessel yeah. in New York. That's which like is, the that's like the Holy Trinity. It's like uh, Tribeca, Sundance, and Cannes, right? So that's that's no small yeah. feat. Yeah, and Toronto and South by Southwest, I'd add to the into the sort of top five. No, those guys suck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tiff is a big festival, man. You should support that. No, I know. <laughs> we're just we're just messing with John or Canadian film festivals. <laughs> uh, yeah. Those oh are, man, those are the top. Those are the top five. And so we were like, we want to get into one of those. And we got into Tribeca, which was incredibly exciting because premiering your first feature film in New York City is like, man, one of the greatest experiences of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so we we kind of, once it premiered, it did really well in Tribeca. And, um, and then we got, you know, we had a sales agent on board, which is like, you know, what you'd imagine an agent for an actor is, but for your movie okay. and their only goal is to sell your movie and they get paid if they sell the movie, you don't, you don't pay them. So, uh, we had a sales agent on from CAA, which was really exciting that they came on to try and sell our film wow. and they helped us get a distributor on board for, for United States and Canada. And so we sold it like two months after Tribeca. And then, um, and then quickly after that, we sold, international rights we 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 brought a sales agent on board uh to sell international rights and they're still like it's being released i think this week in france uh uh, for the first time which is really cool because it's halloween a year later yeah and uh it's being released in france which is really exciting it came out in australia it's coming out in the uk and um and next month they're going to sell a bunch of other territories so um yeah man i mean there's a million different ways to do it but for us, it was like, let's get some notoriety from a big festival, sell it out of there, and then see what happens. And so that's kind of the route we took, which is, which that's, has been a learning experience. That's awesome. But, well, yeah. Super, um, have you heard your movie translated in any other, any other languages yet? <laughs> I've seen. I just saw the French trailer Suckling for hearing. <laughs> Which is fantastic because they redubbed the entire thing and we weren't a part of it because it's, uh, you know, so many steps removed. We had an international sales agent, then they sold it to a production, to a distribution company in France. And, uh, so I just saw the trailer pop up and it's all the voices redubbed in French and it's the best. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> you gotta find it and link it in the show notes here. For oh, people you have to. It. It's like, if you've seen the, the English trailer, 
and then you watch the French one. It's it's. <laughs> I I wish I could have been in the recording booth with the French actors oh, no. doing <laughs> the voice booth. So great. Gerard Gerard uh, Depedu keeps uh, popping up in the background. <laughs> yeah, they just, and they even, just after effects. You know, in. Ham Ham from the Sandlot. Patrick is in the trailer, and so someone had to dub Ham from the Sandlot in French, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you don't know. Oh, oh. What's your killing me smalls in French? Uh, uh, you, how would you say it? Smalls, Tim Tim That'd be the French Canadian version of that. But uh, and that's why the Sandlot was never translated for <laughs> French. Maybe right. it was. I don't know. Um, did you learn anything as a first time director on, on doing this? I mean, I figure you would, right? I mean, it's a huge undertaking. Especially for your Nothing first time. Called. I didn't learn anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, man. I mean, I learned, I learned a lot. It was, it was, um, until we sold the film, like Fear Inc. was made as independent as you can possibly get. Like yeah. we, nobody wanted to give us money to do it. So we had, you know, we did with the classic story of like, we pulled out credit cards and took out loans and had friends give us money and eventually we had a couple of production companies who, who finished out our movie towards the end, but it was like, it was as independent as it gets. And so because of that, we were 100%, which was fun. And that was in and itself was a big learning experience of how to, how to manage a crew of 40 people and working with, you know, a very experienced actors, actors who've been on, hundreds and hundreds of episodes of TV, like Lucas Neff, Caitlin Stacy, oh. you know, we had, uh, Stephanie Drake for Mad Men who worked with John Hamm and you've got Chris Marquette who yeah. has been in tons of movies, yeah. horror films and all sorts of stuff. So you're working with these people and this is my first feature as a director and you're learning like, okay, um, these guys definitely know what they're doing. So you have to sound like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. And so that was a big learning experience. And then you go through that whole process and you make the movie. Um, and then, and then, and then we shoot a scene with Abigail Breslin, who's an you know, Academy Award nominee and uh, you know, has been acting since she was six years old. And you go through this whole thing and you make your movie and you edit it and you, you finalize it and you show people and they like it and you change it, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then you premiere it and then you sell it. And then when you sell it, it turns into now somebody else comes on board to then do, they're going to market it and distribute it the way that they, they want to do it. Yeah. And so that was a whole nother learning experience of like, now I've done all this work, my first yeah. feature film, all the blood, sweat and tears, my credit card debt, everything. And I'm handing it over to you yeah. and you've got to, you know, hopefully find the same sort of value in this movie that I do. And so that was a whole nother learning experience of like, now I've got to trust that somebody else is going to take my baby and do something great with it. So, yeah, I mean, of course, and, and there's a million things I would have done differently now that I've gone through it. Um, both in, in how we made the movie and how we sold it and everything else in between. It's just like, you know, I went to film school and I, um, I went to postgraduate film school and I've done a ton of shorts, but like nothing prepares you yeah. for making your own feature film, you know? Yeah. Wow. Mm. So it was, it was, it was, a, it was, a, and, and since then we've taught 
you know, Luke and I go and, and teach a few classes on independent filmmaking just because we felt feel like if there was something that existed before we made Fear Inc. that just would get would have given us a breakdown of like here's the nuts and bolts of how to make a movie, I feel like we would have been a few steps ahead. So we've we've taught some classes since then about like this is what we did to make our movie. And oh, it's wow. uh no frills, no glossing over anything. It's like the good, the bad, and the ugly of of making fear ink. And um and sometimes it's funny seeing that students in the class classes that we've taught just looking at us like, uh <laughs> is this what I really want to do for the rest of my life? It's, you know, <laughs> not easy. And it's painful and it's hard and it's stressful and you know, I got a little depressed towards the end when when it when it wasn't in our hands anymore, and it's it's tough, man. It's a really tough business to be in. Yeah, for sure. And not many people ever like you're in the small select few of people that have actually done a feature. I mean, there are there are filmmakers are a dime a dozen, especially in this town. But you know, it's rare that you run into any of them that have directed an actual movie. So hats off to you for <laughs> for jumping in and doing it. It's no easy Thanks. task. Yeah. It, it isn't easy. And there's a reason why, you know, um, this town, Hollywood specifically looks at you differently if you've made a feature film. Because yeah. Fear Inc. for us, you know, it wasn't a massive hit that got into thousands of screens and theaters all over the country. But it's still, um, it, it opened so many doors for us. We We have agents, we have managers, we've been the last year and a half we've been in 30 40 50 60 room, different rooms pitching our different our other projects because of fear inc and um it's just it's unbelievable how people look at you differently um when you've made a movie because i think yeah. everyone knows what it what it costs you to do it if you could get it if you get a movie off the ground it doesn't even matter how good it is you know and you can and, and let alone premiere at a festival and then sell it yeah um i think people look at you like all right you're you're in the club now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got you've got the credentials. Um, it's yeah. funny funny you mentioned Luke, which um, I don't know if you know this, but many years and he probably wouldn't remember this. Um, a few years ago, he and I were in a movie together. And I realized, oh, and I really? just realized that recently when kind of looking through like some of the fearing stuff, I think we were in a film about Lewis and Clark called Manifest <laughs> Destiny that was a musical, an indie musical about Lewis and Clark. And there was this scene with like politicians in the town and he was, a, we were both politicians and he was That's improvising. Hilarious. It was very funny and I kept breaking. That's all I remember. I was like, oh, this guy's <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm, to I'm totally stinking up this scene because I'm laughing at everything he's doing. So. That's pretty. Fun. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's <laughs> Luke's. Luke's past was was an actor and um, started writing and kind of put the acting. He still acts every once in a while, but he became a writer producer and has found massive success in in that because he is like one of the funniest, if not the funniest, person I've ever met. Yeah. He's like so hilarious and cracks me up all the time. So it's, it's great having him as a business partner who knows that world, but also can take these relatively stupid ideas and put them on the page and make them into something interesting and funny. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you guys are working, I've this captain Carl's Institute for the abnormally insane. Um, that piques my interest cause you guys are both working on that together. Right. Am I, am I, yeah. Am I, okay. I yeah, just no, want to make right. sure I didn't uh, get captain it wrong. Carl's, <laughs> captain Carl's Institute for the abnormally bizarre, which is a, which is a show 
uh, in a nutshell, a show about a uh, haunted house, uh, like the behind the scenes of a haunted house, which is not too far of a jump from Pure Inc. Um, which, uh, you know, the whole concept for that is, is uh, you know, Dan- we, we ended up casting Daniel Stern. He plays Captain Carl and he's the owner of a haunted house uh, in Southern California. And um, at the end of the pilot, he ends up getting murdered. And, and the show is really about uh, who killed Captain Carl. And so all the employees are suspects and they're getting interrogated. And every episode is a new employee. And we're finding out more about Captain Carl and the employees and who possibly wanted to murder him. That's a really <laughs> fun, like, you know, clue meets Beetlejuice with a little bit of the office mixed in there. Cause it's kind of a workplace comedy too. Oh, wow. um, yeah, it's a fun, it's a, uh, oddly enough, it was, we, you know, we, after fear Inc, we had, um, we had a lot of momentum going into trying to get some shows off the ground. And so we went around town pitching, uh, this comedy show that had nothing to do with anything we're talking about right now. And um, everyone had seen Fear Inc. And so as we were going into these meetings trying to pitch this straight comedy, everyone kept asking, are you doing a Fear Inc. TV show? Are you doing a Fear Inc. TV show? And because the rights were tied up and the film still hadn't come out yet, um, we couldn't do anything with it. And so we ended up coming up with a completely separate idea that was still sort of in that world, which ended up becoming Captain Carl's. And um, the first place we pitched it to, it sold. And they wanted us to shoot a pilot. And now we're finishing up a series Bible for it. And we're going to take it out and try to sell it to a network. Um, but yeah, it's been such a crazy, weird, like <laughs> half brain sort of idea that turned into a really cool idea. And then all of a sudden we wrote it with Daniel Stern in mind, who we grew up watching in Home Alone and never <laughs> thought we'd get him to do it. And he read it and said he'd do it. And all of a sudden we're, we're doing on a show, doing a show with Daniel Stern, which was crazy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Did he, I, I was did, actually... did, 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 did he talk about Home Alone? <laughs> <laughs> Way to hijack you know, the question, John. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, he, you know, Daniel Stern, oddly enough, is probably one of the more <laughs> successful actors I've worked with. Yeah. Um, and he full, he's definitely the nicest actor I've ever worked with. He's super generous. Oh, nice. Um, and he fully acknowledges that like he had his heyday in the nineties of like all these amazing movies that he was a part of, like yeah. rookie of the year. Like yeah. I didn't realize Daniel Stern directed rookie of the year yeah. wow. and yeah. also uh, in rookie of the year. Yeah. And he had this movie that he, he did called bushwhacked. That was he, that's like a big <laughs> I love passion that movie. project. Daniel, Daniel Stern was like the main producer on Bushwhacked. Like oh, wow. he hired the director, like, you know, at home alone, one, one home alone, two, all these massive, like city movies. slickers, city slickers, one yeah. and two. My goodness. Like hmm. just classic movies that Daniel Stern was a part of. And so he fully acknowledges that like, that's like, he's living off of amazing projects that he was, yeah, he was in in the nineties. He even told us like Luke and I were fortunate enough to go to, you know, it was a crazy story that he like agreed to do this project and invited us to his house. And so we went to his house and he gave us one of the craziest stories we've ever experienced. He kind of gave us a fear and experience at his house. Like we show up <laughs> to his house and, uh, you know, random side note, we actually offered him a role in fear Inc that he, he turned down but he loved the project. And so I love to work with these guys. So he knew about fear Inc. 
And then he said he would, he wanted to do Captain Carl's, which is another show about the sort of horror haunted house world and invites us to his house. We go to his house and all of a sudden this random person answers the door wearing this really scary mask and this weird outfit and doesn't say anything and opens the door and lets us in. And we sit down on this couch in this house and he's not saying anything. He's uh, walking around and doing these weird motions. And then he takes us down a hallway, dark hallway and opens the door and he's got an elevator in his house and leads us into the <laughs> elevator. We're joking, thinking there's gotta be Daniel Stern playing a prank on us. Right. <laughs> Let's us to the elevator. Daniel Stern closes the door. He doesn't come in the elevator with us. It's pitch black in the elevator. At this point, now we're laughing uncomfortably thinking, are we in Daniel Stern's house? Or are we getting catfished? Are we going to get murdered? Is this what the heck is happening? <laughs> and all of a sudden, the elevator starts going down with just Luke and I in the elevator. We go downstairs, still pitch black. The elevator stops. We have no idea what the heck is happening. All of a sudden, we hear Daniel Stern's voice far off in the distance, just yelling, guys, guys, <laughs> are you in here, guys? We have to let ourselves out of this elevator. We walk into a pitch black hallway. And all of a sudden we walk out and we see Daniel Stern walk out in normal clothes, just walk up to us. Like he's just meeting us for the first time. He's like, Hey, nice to meet you. I'm Danny. <laughs> <laughs> what? What the? And so he, he tells us, he's like, all right, so you guys are the fearing guys and you're doing a show about a Honda house. I had to pull a prank on you. <laughs> and he said, admittedly, I was just going to do it at the door, but your reaction was so great that I kept going with it. <laughs> and takes us into this closet down in his basement of this house, this amazing house he has and, uh, shows us all these masks that he bought and up on the counter of these mat uh, of the, where the masks are, are a Marv and uh and harry uh figurines from home alone that are oh. like all right you still love obviously you love home alone and that's <laughs> just like awesome. it's it just such a dream to work with him he's Gosh. so cool that's that's so cool and daniel stern like i think we think of him like a lot as as a comedic actor but he's he's been in a like a lot of serious whoa, roles whoa. where he's really yeah a, like a dramatic actor too and well, a voiceover you've got actor the wonder years yeah the wonder yeah. years the voice of the wonder years my goodness diner. like classic yeah. Yeah. diner was I a was great gonna, role I, I was gonna say before john rudely uh, uh interrupted me with his question <laughs> um no uh, i was gonna say that in i was actually the other day i was thinking about city slickers for some reason uh, and the one part that i remember from that movie like i saw it in high school i haven't watched it since but like the one part i remember is is they're all sitting around the fire and he's talking about his life and how he married you know the wrong woman and then he got this uh a sales clerk girl like knocked up at his grocery store and he's working for his father-in-law and all this stuff and just the worst possible situation you could kind of be in as far as like middle class american and he just he just looks down he's like i i ruined my life <laughs> and it's the most heartbreaking moment in that movie because you're like yeah man you really did you know <laughs> f it up but then but then you really simply you know, in, in a way it's like he really like brings it uh home and you sympathize with them and and you know it's it's just a, it's it's a real dramatic moment in that movie yeah. that, that works he's a he's a really 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 talented actor and he's also just super hilarious so yeah, yeah. there's no you know there's it's obvious why he's had success in all the comedies he's been in but like i don't know if he's been given the chance to like do too many serious roles where i think he'd he'd crush it because he's crazy talented 
Yeah. And side note, I just discovered that he's a very uh, talented uh, sculptor too. I don't know if you know. He this. is. Yeah, you probably. Yeah, know. he's got. Um, oh man, I'm gonna mess this up. There's. Uh, I'm trying to remember what city it is. It's Southern California city. There's one in uh, Monrovia. I don't know if that's the one Monrovia. you're thinking of. Yeah, I think that's it. He's yeah. there's a sculpture that like is part of the city officially like deemed a city sculpture that Daniel sculpture that Daniel Stern sculpted himself. Is it? He's a, a painter. Mo- <laughs> he's a sculptor. He's like he's a Renaissance man. Yeah. You know? Is it just Marv getting electrocuted? fountain going around it. <laughs> oh man. So where can people find uh, Fear Inc. if they want to watch it? Yeah, it's available on uh, pretty much every on-demand uh, place that you can you can buy or rent movies. So iTunes, Google Store, Amazon. And then if you have a Hulu subscription, we've got a deal with Hulu where it's on there for a little bit. But it's uh, it's a perfect Halloween movie and great time of year to you know invite some friends over and watch it. Yeah, I, think, make, uh, I think Vlad will be interested in that. Yeah, he seems Vlad. to be quite the uh, streaming <laughs> yeah, customer. Yeah, we'll have to tell him about it later next time he's on. He'll probably find it. Well, we, gosh, we talked a long time, Vince. Uh, yeah, I, I know you're a busy guy, but thank you so much for, for doing this. And we'll have to have you back on as you continue working on other projects. Oh, of course. It was on. Thank you guys for bringing me on. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun chatting with you guys. All right. That's great. Thank you. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with the winner of the Phoenix Shaving Giveaway. (laughs) Quick break. Hey, this part of the show is brought to you by Phoenix Shaving. If you like to shave and you are a man or a woman, I mean, some some women are hairy. That's all right. That's okay. No judgment. But if uh, you're a guy that likes to shave and appreciates the finer things in life, go to gentlemanscofflaw.com slash shave. Um, that link helps support the show. And you could check out some of Douglas Smythe's amazing shaving soaps, aftershave colognes. You'll be blown away at all the stuff he has. Sense for days. He is like the Walter White of artisan soap making. He's got this lab basically there in, in Phoenix, Arizona where he uh, creates his soaps and, and he cures them. It's an independent business. You're not giving your money to all those guys that are ripping everybody off with razors. Right now, you can get some wet shaving starter packs. So it has everything you need to get started wet shaving. You know, you can get a sets that have the safety razor, the brush, the soap, the aftershave. Tons of great scents to pick from. I've mentioned before, one of my favorites is Tombstone. Also, they have Sundown, which is like a classic barbershop scent. Um, they've got uh, Cavendish, which smells like, like pipe tobacco, which is amazing. I tell you, I've been using the stuff and I don't get any razor burn or razor bumps anymore this stuff is amazing especially the aftershave it just removes all irritation bumps redness it's like i've never looked so dapper in my life and that's thanks to phoenix shaving so go to gentlemanscofflaw.com slash shave and stop being a slave to the cartridge razor shave All right, uh, coming to a close here. That was a fun interview with uh, Vince. Uh, 
Machale. That was a great Mach- interview. Machale. I always love Machale. when I'm dressed when I'm dressed as Indiana Jones and somebody references Indiana yeah, Jones. It I makes know. me feel very fuzzy inside. I know. It makes you feel very, very fuzzy. Uh, you know, Tom Selleck was almost Indiana Jones. Yeah, really? we know, John. Come that, on. That's like the oldest trivia in the book. That would have been a good cast, though, too, I think. You know? uh, I don't know. Yeah. He would have had to get. No, no, no. <laughs> No, Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. And I'm not like that big of like a Harrison Ford supporter. Like I like him, but he is Indiana Jones. That yeah. role was built for that guy. It's true. Even more so than Han Solo or uh yeah. I would I would I would venture to say. I might polarize audiences with that one, but honestly, Han Solo is a bit of a one note character. You know what time it is, guys? Tool time. It's time to announce the winner <laughs> of this week's fe- Phoenix Shaving Giveaway. Dude, this is a sexy bottle, too. Um, well, let's announce the winner of the last week, and then we'll announce this new, this new, uh, this new fragrance. Mm. Um, okay, right. Let's get a drum roll, please. All right, and the winner of the Phoenix Shaving After Shave Vetiver Planet is Mike Anderson. It's Mike Anderson, and there's an MN at the end. Maybe he's from Minnesota. Maybe, maybe he's just maybe maybe it's just like Mike Anderson man. You are the winner. Um, keep an eye out for a message from us uh, so we can get your address. And uh, this next week we are giving away what is that, Donovan? I feel like I'm not qualified to read this. You it's, you read it. You're from French Canada. <laughs> this is not French Canadian. It's Sangre de Drago, which I believe means dragon's blood. Ooh, and it's got a uh, it's got a very. Uh, Kind of a shady sinister looking, looking bottle, right? Yeah, it's got a shady looking guy with a wide brimmed hat, a hood, and a uh, Venetian uh, mask. He looks, looks like, like it looks like liquor too. It's a very it dark. Does. Uh, I want to drink it. It looks, you know, I I'm almost convinced that they just bottled rum and <laughs> called it cologne. In this point, what does wait, it say on there? It says, "Oh man, that smells like." Oh man, it smells uh, like sandalwood and oud. Yeah, that's what it says in the bottle. A lot of ode happening in that bottle. All right, so if you want to win this, uh, link in the show notes on Instagram, um, and it'll be yours. $30 value, too. That's definitely going to be my next cent. Next one. You say that about everyone. Yeah, I do. I do. I'm still working through my first (laughs) bottle because I got to, you know, it's like it's precious. Like, you You know, know, you can't just waste it on anybody. The thing is, though, here's the thing, right? Little plug for Phoenix Shaving. A whole bottle of this stuff. I don't know what what's, how much is in it. Okay, it says 3.5 fluid ounces, right? Enough to get you drunk. <laughs> that, <laughs> if you were going to buy cologne by, you know, I don't know, Calvin Klein or something, you'd get what? A, it's like a, a quarter of an ounce, a half of an ounce, and it would be like like 60 bucks or something. And it would come with this advertisement, Seduction by yeah. Calvin Klein. <laughs> so this is... A huge amount for only 30 bucks, and yeah. it lasts forever. I still huge. have my bottle of Tombstone I've been using all year, and it's, you know, there's still a third of it left. Yeah. I still have my cab, my, my CAD from, uh, from like April. Guys, you know? we got to step it up. We got to, we got to, we got to start, we got to start moving on to, to, we gotta, to other we stuff ro- in their We got to do like Douglas does, and we got to rotate. Like, it, that's, 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 I think that's do the key. Rotate. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> got to, got to rotate with how you're feeling and what, with the season. 
This is definitely like this. This smells like something you should wear in October. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And John, if people want to support the show, what can they do? Well, I'm still working on those wooden cereal bowls. So in the meantime, we've got T-shirts <laughs> and bumper sticker magnets and regular non-magnet stickers. <laughs> and uh, I think binders, the binder, you know, the things you put in the back of binders, the binder on the edge. And binders the full of women. Binders. Binders. Yeah. Oh, that's a topical reference. Um, 2012. Coming back. Um, it's, a, it's a little <laughs> valet. It's it. a valet. You can keep your pipe stuff in if you want to. A little wooden valet, any kind of cool stuff. That's it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you want to do that, you can go to gentlemanscoughlaw.com, click the shop link. Also, you can support us on Patreon. We're posting lots of extras on there, things that get cut out of the show, uh, things that uh, if you're a fan of the show, maybe you want to help support it and get all these extra perks. All right. Uh, so you guys, you guys gonna you gonna trick or treat this year? Yes. Yeah. You betcha. You ready? I, but I only go to trunk or treats. Oh, I only no. go to the churches that have uh, that have like cars pulled in. It in seems a circle. very creepy. Trunk or treat. The whole concept. Uh, That's I, the point. I got to make my presence known <laughs> in the neighborhood. They got to fear me. I got a trunk full of candy. <laughs> I'm going to take all the Reese's peanut Reach butter cups in, I can. Kid. Yeah, grab that one in the back. Here's a quick question. Just while we're ending this, yeah. what favorite Halloween candy? I like. I just like the chocolate. Like I like to snicker little mini Gosh, chocolate so, bars. That's the worst answer. I just I just like the chocolate. The chocolate, like the mini chocolate bars. Like chocolate. Yeah, yeah I mean, like every that's like that's like seventy five percent of the bag is chocolate. <laughs> um, if I were to pick something that you don't typically see uh, outside of Halloween, is the rockets. You know the little. Oh yeah, here know, we call them rockets. Smarties, and Smarties. Smarties are actually a different thing Smarties. in Canada. Oh yeah, I used They're to like throw M&Ms. those in cars when yeah. I was a kid because <laughs> they were <laughs> they were so acidic. They gave me heartburn. Um, <laughs> what was what was the last age you trick or treated? Oh, my parents. I remember I had this killer uh, uh, Aragorn costume from Lord of the Rings, which makes me sound like a such a nerd. But uh, but it, God, I don't know. If I should have said that. How old were you? I, <laughs> uh, 21. No, uh, I was, uh, I was, I think I was in eighth grade, maybe seventh grade. No, okay. eighth grade because seventh grade, I was Jack Sparrow. So, okay. But, um, but they wouldn't let me trick or treat. They, I remember I had this uh, costume all put together and then they were like, no, you're too old. And I, to be, to be fair, to get, to throw something to them, I think I was pushing six foot at the time and <laughs> I was tall for my age. And I think they were just concerned that like the neighbors would be like looking down on us for sending their, um, their son around. Funny to that you food. say that. Cause you know, when the last age was that I went trick or treating 18, 20, Really, it was twenty. The last Shame time I went was with you, Jordan. Yeah, that was you were what twenty one then. Yeah, about that. Yeah, about yeah. We both went. Um, Would you go on your knees or something? No, I think what happens is after you get past a certain age, it becomes a veiled threat to people, and they give you candy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, <laughs> it's the Larry. It's like in that Curb episode where uh, Larry David those two girls come up and he's like, he's like, what are you? What were you like 16? And they're like, no, we're 13. And then he's like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. He doesn't give them candy. And then they 
toilet paper is well, house. We, we and get a lot of asshole. people that would be like, they would be like, well played. You deserve this. You're working hard for this. You're still I mean, a big you, kid at heart. If, now, did, but were you guys like dressed in intricate costumes or did you really I went once as an anchor man and I had uh, oh, okay. full sideburns and, cool. a, and a fake mustache nice. and I was about 6'1 at that, that yeah. age. <laughs> that would have been, yeah, I would have been like what? Eight, 17, 18. So that's a, that's a, you, it was obvious that I was not a little kid. I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta corner the, the candy market in your neighborhood. <laughs> I was the candy, candy pimp. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, this is my corner. Kid. You guys enjoy, you guys have a good Halloween weekend, right? You, you guys too. Happy yeah, Halloween. Everybody. Happy Halloween, everybody. And you are a gentleman in a scoff on my friend. I said that to Donovan. Oh, oh, uh, 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 d- ditto. You are a gentleman in a scofflaw, my friend, John. Hey, you too. And you guys have a happy Halloween. Whoa, who let Vlad back in the room? Oh, my gosh. Oh, hey, guys. Hey, no. How are you guys Vlad, done? No. Are not, you done? The, no, oh, not I this way. No, Vlad, did no I, means no. Did I miss it? the interview with the Vince Machali? Gosh, he's so annoying. This has been the Gentleman's Scofflaw Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com. Captain says, his ass on the river, we ain't getting home if we don't break through. So damn cold, I can't help but shiver. Rise and shine, we got work to do. Hey! Shiver, rattle and shout, we got work.